2: In a world where overspending, debt, and keeping up with the Joneses rules us all. Where the voices from the merchants, restaurants, and credit companies lord over the common man. Out of the darkness, like a beacon of hope, comes a new voice. A voice that's rich and creamy, like your favorite butter. And delicious, like cheeseburger pizza on your diet cheat day. It's... The Stacking Benjamin Show. Live from Joe's Bomb's Basement. It's The Stacking Benjamin Show. <laughs> Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, in honor of Labor Day at the end of the week, we welcome down to the basement the guy who'll help us make frugal and smart food choices and share insider secrets to make your holiday weekend grilling perfect, Frankie Chilenza from the hit show Struggle Meals. Plus, during our headlines, we'll cover the retirement danger zone. And still have time to throw out the Haven Lifeline to Susan, who's looking for some advice on what funds she should have in her Roth account. And now, two guys who I know can make some mean hamburgers, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G.
0: I don't know about making a mean hamburger, but I know about eating mean hamburger. I'm all about it.
3: I bought one of those hamburger presses, so they're all uniform. Perfect. I bought some hamburger helper. And, uh, that doesn't grill as good? No,
0: no matter what they say on uh, on vacation. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Labor Day Podcasting. I'm Joe Salci. I average Joe money on Twitter and across the table from me, With only five days to go on this Labor Day weekend, it's Mr. OG.
3: What is shaken Bacon?
0: I'll tell you what Shakin'. We got a great week of shows. We got Frankie here today. And if anybody can make a delicious meal for less money, it's this guy. And then on Wednesday, Dave Falchek is going to be here. He, of course, is the executive director of the American Wine Society talking about pairing that delicious food and then on friday of course you and i are going to talk about uh well last year's party we're going to have our top five things you can do to uh make sure your holiday party's not too frugal so it's a labor day extravaganza my friend Sounds good. And if all that partying does cost you a lot, or let's say you decide to make a party company, that's probably better. Big thanks to ClearBank for supporting Stacking Benjamins. ClearBank is changing the way entrepreneurs raise money for their company with equity-free capital. If you're doing over $10,000 a month in revenue, you want to find out how you can get ClearBank capital by getting your 20-minute term sheet at clearbank.com forward slash SB. That's clearbank with a C dot com. Not just one C for clear but C for bank like bank <laughs> also, the uh, so there's two C's bank the European way clearbank.com forward slash SB How about that? Perfect very difficult for entrepreneurs to find money for their next venture and uh exciting different way to do that with Clearbank. We'll talk about that later. Thanks also to Acre Trader for supporting Stacky Benjamins. For more information on how to become a farmland investor through AcreTrader, visit acretrader.com forward slash SB. By the way, that's AcreTrader spelled the AcreTrader way. Same way you'd <laughs> think it would be.
3: There's also a C in Acre.
0: There is a C in Acre and there's an A in Acre as well. Uh, we've got fun in this show coming up. So let's get your headlines started.
4: Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins Headlines.
0: Our first headline is super nerdy. Comes to us from Michael Kitz's blog, The Nerds Eye View. Michael Kitz is, of course, he's been on the show a couple times. He is a guy who uh, does a lot of thinking, OG, about how advisors can do their job better. In this piece, he talks about the portfolio size effect and using a bond tent to navigate the retirement danger zone. I wanted to ask you about this, OG, because uh, this is this is kind of a hot topic here, uh, looking at retirement. The final decade leading up to retirement and the first decade of retirement itself form a retirement danger zone. And we've heard a lot about that, right? That if the market, OG, goes down right before you get to retirement, you're in trouble. Now, you're somebody, mm-hmm. though, that's always advocated assuming that your risk tolerance can stand it, stay away from bonds and use equities. But here's what he says is that if you get to retirement and immediately the market goes through the floor and you got to take money from that, you're screwed. You just completely screwed yourself. So here's what he says. Get up close to retirement. I'm not even going to read the piece. I'll have the piece on our show notes page at Stacky Benjamins, but here's basically what he says.
3: Because you can't use the big words that is uses. I I, I can't pronounce half of these (laughs) words. Way too
0: complicated for my little brain, my grammarly uh, brain that doesn't quite work. Uh, You get almost all the way up to retirement and then you leave that OG in a holding pattern. But then for the short term to get you through these few first years, you then the last few years, because they're not going to, you know, your problem with bonds is that they're not going to appreciate very much and you're going to quit the doubling. So to keep the doubling going with your current portfolio, you don't land the plane, so to speak. I know how much you like that, Lay in the plane, right? Go get on the glide path. You don't do that. You let the plane keep flying, but instead you build this short-term need portfolio of bonds, 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 bonds. Load up on bonds the last few years. Leave your equities there. And then what he also says, and you also already know this. The further into retirement you get, away from that initial first date of drawing on the portfolio, the more quickly the risk goes down. Like if you survive the first five, six, seven years of retirement and your portfolio hasn't tanked, if it tanks later in retirement, not nearly as big a wreckage for a variety of reasons that he gets into. But if you build a bond portfolio in those last few years and you can leave your equities high flying, you can get rid of that. So he calls it a V-shaped portfolio portfolio leaving all your equities in place that you built up through your entire work life and then just the few years beforehand building up a bond portfolio which you use if the market starts coming down those first couple of years of retirement what do you think about that
3: well it's kind of the same thing that i've advocated which is to use cash so cash fixed income whatever your pleasure is the way that I think about it from a timing standpoint, and, and I think Michael does a much better job of articulating this than I ever could, the likelihood of that happening, we're so afraid of the giant, you know, market correction leading up to retirement, right? Or that you retire January 1, 2008, you have no idea what's on the horizon. But the statistical likelihood of that is actually pretty small. I mean, it's just no different than any other market correction or recession happening, You know, you got seven good years, three not so good years. So maybe you get it, maybe you don't, but you got a better chance of it not happening. And what he talks about in in this piece, and I think in another one too that he wrote recently, is about you have a greater risk of not letting your money stay invested to double it. It's almost like that uh, Peter Lynch comment of more money is lost preparing for the next bear market than actually in the next bear market. And what you're talking about is once you're past that kind of initial you know, let's call it the surf zone, right? Like once you get past that initial wave of retirement, that five, six year time period, if your money has maybe got close to doubling or it's grown, maybe it's grown faster than inflation, you're fine. You could lose half of it at that point and still be fine, theoretically. You're well past that that break-even point. So what I've always said is let's take, as you get close to retirement, let's take two years worth of distributions that you need and put them in cash. Now, maybe you use fixed income, whatever. Well, he says,
0: he says, by the way, not even to do that. Yeah. He he said, he's saying to use it. Well, leave your contributions, stop and your new contributions put into cash or into bonds or whatever.
3: Right. So where we differ on this is that, in that I would say, let's have two years worth of cash, whether it's a new money raise like he's advocating, or you just get to retirement, and put it in cash at that moment. And because we don't know that we're in a recession or market decline until we're already in it, you can't, pr- you know, you can't say, well, I think today's the day that the market starts going down. So you establish a floor. So maybe it's 20%. So you got, you start with a million dollars. You're going to take 40 grand a year out, right? So you got your 4% rule. 80,000 in cash or fixed income, whatever. So you got 920 left in your equity accounts. Now, where we differ on this is I'm going to dollar cost average out of the 920, leaving the 80 as my just in case money. So my 920, I'm going to put a floor on that of, let's say, 780. So if any time. Throughout retirement, if my 920 turns into 780, i.e. I've had a 20% decline, give or take, then I'm going to freeze distributions from my from my equity portfolio and take the next two years straight out of my cash. That should allow, again, if you think about recessions kind of being up and down, we're going to catch it somewhere it's down. We don't know where it's going to bottom out. We don't know if it's on a recovery. We don't know if it's going to go down more, but we don't care because we've got two more years to wait it out. And in most cases, you know, that two-year time frame gives you that runway to get that 780 to get back to a million, wash, rinse, repeat again.
0: Hold on, man. You're getting a shout out from Homer Simpson. Nerd! I know that's a badge of honor for you. Uh, For people that don't know what the heck we're talking about, what we're worried about here, Mr. Financial Planner sitting across the table from me and me, uh, the other dude who's who's who's, on this podcast.
3: Who's the other guy? I know.
0: Yeah, roll reversal. But what we're worried about is if your portfolio falls down right at the beginning of retirement, if you're taking a lot of risk, there's two different problems people have. Either, number one, they start taking risk off the table too early and they don't need the money and instead they get to retirement and they take it all and they put it in a place where it can't double and they end up not getting the returns they need for retirement. Or on the other end, they stay completely risky, the market goes down, bada boom, bada bing, they also screw themselves. So this is a way to find that middle ground. And to his point and your point, OG, you get through those first few years. He says in this piece, he's like, just move the bonds to a more aggressive spot. Boom. You're done.
3: Yeah. 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 I was kind of two ways to cut the same thing. I think
0: really good stuff.
3: Yeah. yeah. Thinking outside the box.
0: Uh, our second piece, another nerd. Uh, it's funny. You kits and this guy, Ed slot. How about that? It's like I
3: don't a, a candle to either of these people, but okay.
0: Triumvir and a nerdery, right there. Financial nerdery. Ed wrote just a couple of weeks ago in investment news uh, this piece, which I found also incredibly informative. And this piece, just a little foreshadowing, goes against all those people that I hear that go, no, 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 you got to do the Roth IRA. No, 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 leave it all traditional. No, 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 no. One way is best. The other way sucks. Here is one of the smartest among us in our financial species telling us that that might not be the case. Ed writes, five reasons to keep some funds in traditional IRAs, even for Roth IRA lovers. He said, should clients convert all their individual retirement accounts to Roth IRAs? The long-term benefits of tax-free accumulation and no lifetime required minimum distributions make a persuasive case to go all in on the Roth IRA. However, even if you're a big Roth IRA believer like me, there are significant tax benefits that can be lost if you don't keep at least some funds in traditional IRAs. Here are five reasons. Ready? Number one, medical expenses. This is a reason not to have money in a Roth IRA, medical expenses. It's not unusual lately to see tax returns that contain medical deductions in excess of $100,000. Ed writes that these often include Nursing home costs and home improvements related to medical conditions, such as wheelchair access ramps and other big-ticket expenses. If all IRA funds were converted to Roths, there'd be no traditional IRA funds left to absorb these future deductions, and the deductions would be lost. Okay. Some healthcare planning. Plus, you're looking at uh, you know some Congress moves lately to make it so that your Medicare premiums. Can't come out of the HSA. That would stink. Number two, business losses. Along the same lines as the medical deduction, if you own a business, future losses could be used against IRA distributions, reducing or even eliminating the tax impact on those withdrawals. If there were no traditional IRA funds and little other income, those business losses might be wasted. A loss is bad enough, but losing the loss deduction, that's a double hit. Hadn't thought about that one either.
2: Mm -hmm. That's a
0: good one. Three, low tax brackets. Every year. Each year, every taxpayer gets to use the lower tax brackets. A large amount of income can be pushed into the 10, 12, 22, or 24% brackets. If they're not used, they're lost forever. It might pay to keep some traditional IRA funds to take maximum advantage of the lower brackets in the future. That's always been my case right there.
3: Yeah, why not take advantage of, you know, the 10% bracket or, 12, you know, an effective yeah. tax pra- effective tax rate of 0 with some money.
0: Yeah take advantage of some of that. Number four, beneficiary tax rates. He says, think even longer term. Yes, any IRA funds not convert will be subject to requirement distributions, but those are generally a small percentage each year and can soak up the lower brackets mentioned above. But after death, the tax on the inherited traditional IRA requirement distributions may be even lower depending on how many beneficiaries they are and their tax brackets. For example, he says, if there's three beneficiaries that each get to use up their lower tax brackets each year, he says, even if the tax proposal to eliminate the stretch IRA and replace it with a 10-year payout term comes to pass, three beneficiaries can still spread their required minimum distributions over 30 tax returns, three years each for 10 years. That can drastically reduce the overall future tax that's paid. We're getting into some heavy-duty tax planning here. No kidding. This is cool stuff. And then last is uh, qualified charitable distributions, QCDs, he says, can reduce or eliminate the income from our IRA requirement minimum distributions. We're not going to get into that one. But five good reasons right there, on top of which we don't know how laws are going to change in the future, which is just, for me, this piece by Mr. Slot OG, just a cautionary tale against anybody ever telling you that one way is the best way to do it diversification, I think, is the winner here.
3: Well, it's the same thing with diversification of your investment portfolio on individual positions, right? You're going to have some small companies and some large companies just because large companies happen to be doing really well the last decade doesn't mean that they're always going to do good. So same thing is true with tax diversification. You want some flexibility. There's pros and cons to each one.
0: I've seen that online so many times this last year. My international funds I've really fallen behind my yeah. U.S. funds. I'm thinking I need to get rid of international,
3: Yeah. not the case. Please, you should do it because when, when the tide turns and there's so many people doing that, that means that the rest of us who stayed the course <laughs> are going to have like a plus 60% year. It's going to be awesome. Something else that's awesome, OG, is ClearBank. How about that
0: for a, nice. For, nice for nice a transition? transition? Thanks to them for supporting Stacky Benjamins. ClearBank, they're changing the way entrepreneurs raise money with equity-free capital. This is really interesting how they work. So they make equity-free investments. And what an equity-free investment means, OG, you and I know this, but a lot of people don't know, is a lot of venture capitalists want to take a piece of your company in exchange for helping you. ClearBank is not a loan. They're infusing capital into your business without being an owner of that business. Here's how it works. You can apply in minutes. You enter all your basic business info and you link your marketing and revenue data. You choose what your desired marketing budget is from multiple options provided, and you watch your revenue grow as you acquire more customers with your new marketing budget. ClearBank will also offer you more capital as your business is bigger. So here's how they make money. They charge a small flat fee for the capital, and you pay them back using a win-win rev share, meaning that as you're making more money, you're paying them back a revenue sharing model during the time that they're working with you. So not only are they helping you market more quickly and bring in more customers, they're just keeping a piece, OG, of that future revenue. Once again, it's not a loan. No interest rate, no fixed maturation date, no personal guarantees, no credit checks, no equity. They aren't going to want to sit on your board. In 2018, here's how successful this is. They invested over $150 million. This year, they're on track to invest over $1 billion with a B.
3: Not only that, you know, all I need is a hundred million myself. So
0: <laughs> there, that's all they can,
3: they can have. They can have all the business that they want from me. All I need is a hundred million dollars. Give me a hundred million.
0: <laughs> Clearbank can help also because they have relationships with marketing agencies, e-commerce professionals, venture capitalists, and accountants, which is what you look for when you work with a firm like Clearbank. You want to be able to use those connections. If you're doing over ten thousand dollars a month in revenue, find out how you can receive ClearBank capital by getting your twenty-minute term sheet at ClearBank with a C Bank with a C. dot forward slash sb. That's C L E A R B A N C. dot com slash sb. Stop pitching and get back to doing what you love: growing your business. I think our business today here with the headlines, OG, is done. Number one is tax diversification for the win. Love the Roth IRA, but. Think about your overall tax picture. Don't just drink the Roth IRA Kool-Aid. And then our second takeaway, those first few years of retirement, pretty dangerous. But that doesn't mean you need to land the plane. Doesn't mean you need a glide path. There probably is a better way to get through that danger zone, as they say in Top Gun.
3: How uh. yeah. to the danger zone.
0: Frankie Chalenza, upstairs at Mamo G. His goal's always been the same. He wants to get as many people in the kitchen as possible. And today he's getting us in the kitchen with him to make our Labor Day festivities, number one, taste better, but also number two, less wasteful. He has gone to the White House. I should ask him about that. To help them with some cooking. They've paired him with Sesame Street's Cookie Monster, and he's love cookies and he also cooked for a little known tennis player named uh novak jovichek on his 2016 run to the u.s open finals he's the recipient of three new york emmy awards including one in 2016 for iaw tv award for best host on the May production of frankie's world of course we're going to talk to him about his current show struggle meals let's say hello to a guy bringing good food to all of us and right now to the basement, Frankie Chilenza. And here he comes, the chef who's going to save Labor Day for us all. Our good friend Frankie Chilenza joins
5: us. How are you, man? I'm doing well. I almost didn't make it. Your mom was asking me for all the salsa verde recipes. She was Uh, grabbing me by the ear. I was like, I got to go. No, you know. You know,
0: mom. You don't mess with mom. Can't mess with her. Well, you're you're from an Italian family then, right?
5: Yeah, we are. I mean, I'm a third generation, so I guess I would say I'm American. Yeah, but you don't yeah. mess with mom, though. I mean, in Italian families, you don't mess with mom. Oh, no, no, no. They're the boss. And
0: grandma's even more the boss. <laughs> right. <exactly>. right. <laughs> boss of mom is her mom. I want to ask you a little bit about your career before we get started, but I want to start it off with a clip from your Struggle Meals show, which I find incredibly entertaining. Let's listen to how you do eggplant parm.
5: Before we start cooking with the eggplant, let me show you how to pick one out. First thing, look for a healthy, shiny skin. Examine around the green part, make sure there's no mold, make sure it's not super soft. Start touching the eggplant. You know, you want your finger to depress a little bit, but you want it to spring back. You're not looking for something overripe, like an avocado. Firmer is better in this situation. Now that you know what to look for in an eggplant, let's get cooking. Beautiful! Got nice bits of melty pizza cheese with those little brown bubbles that I relish. You can see the eggplant is holding its shape really, really nicely. The aroma is fantastical. Ha-ha! The Struggle Herb Garden. With a minimal investment, I'm able to cultivate and maintain my own fresh herbs. These are tastier than buying fresh herbs, and there's less waste because it's still alive. So I can just pick one or two basil leaves, which is my favorite herb. And move on with my life. These will be here for all my dishes in the weeks and months ahead. Don't forget the basil. You're having so much
0: fun with basil. I don't want to stop. By the way, I can smell this from here as you're smelling it. I'm smelling it with you. The big thing about this, though, Frankie, this sandwich costs less than two bucks, and people are paying 10 bucks, 12 bucks to buy this someplace
5: else. Well, I guess it could all come down to real estate cost. You know, the margins are slim in the restaurant industry and the supermarket industry, for that matter. They got to make the dollars somewhere because landlords want five figure rents, particularly in New York. But it's, so that's what you're paying for. You're paying for convenience and you're paying for location, location, location. Sure. Well, I mean, to your point about convenience, somebody else making me a sandwich is always fun
0: but this is super easy to make. I love the idea of the herb garden too. How how do you come up with these ideas for better food for two bucks or less?
5: Well, look, my brain only has so much capacity to it. And the beautiful thing about struggle meals is that I've got a team of like-minded people over at Tastemade and we can bounce ideas off of each other. I can come in and say, here's three things I'm really passionate about. And then they can say, Mm, these would be good topics to hit on those three ideas, but then another producer would say, hey, Frankie, how do you feel about doing something from this angle? And it all works out because the vehicle is affordable food and trying to teach as many things about the food, the cooking technique. It's If it's dry or wet cooking – the right pots and pans to use, et cetera. You know, it's not, they're not like, here, can you do this? And then I'm acting it out. I'm actually passionate about it. So I I feel like I have 20 brains and the other 19 are, you know, my friends over at Tastemade. I couldn't tell you were passionate about it. I couldn't tell at all. (laughs) Had no idea. This idea though of an herb garden is
0: fantastic. Like everybody goes to the grocery store, they buy these dried herbs and this is so much better.
5: First of all, the dried herbs are a completely different beast altogether. Um, And if you're to swap it out, you're supposed to use just a third the amount of the dried herbs because the flavor is so much more intense, but also it's just not as good. So an herb garden, which keeps growing, go figure, it's almost like having a dividend stock in a retirement plan. You know, you're only allowed to put a certain amount of money in every year, but these dividend stocks are allowing you to get more than the maximum contribution every year. So here we we buy a basil for $1.99, but we're going to get more than $1.99 of basil out of it because it's going to keep growing, right? You like that? I, 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 I have no idea how
0: the hell you just did that. That's I'm in That's, awe. I am not worthy. That was fantastic. Just, just grow your garden. Do it. I was telling that to your mom upstairs, man. Yeah. Well, that, thank you very much. Because
5: if she grows it, then I don't have to. But how did you get involved in cooking at first? Uh, Well, I grew up in a family where my mom was cooking every single meal. When we went to my grandparent's house, they were cooking every single meal. So good food was always around. And it wasn't until I started having playdates that I realized this is not the norm in the United States. (laughs) Uh, Because somewhere in the 1970s, advertisers basically told moms, you're too busy to cook. Buy this canned or frozen thing and, you know, have the life that you want. And we lost a generation of food. Uh, The Italians kept it. All the new immigrants now have kept it. And I think in general, the country is waking up to trying to bring all the the culture back, either our own or American culture, whatever, but getting food back to it. Okay. So I've got this base of good food. And in college, the school forced us to have a meal plan, but the meal plan was obviously not very good and it was pretty expensive. So I started just cooking burgers and penne pomodoro and people would come over. Were you studying food in college? I I studied music, Uh business and production. We'll get into that in a second. Anyway, people would come over with five bucks. I would do the thing. Oh my God, this is so much better than the meal plan. And it turned into this whole thing where people would come over and I'd cook meal and it grew and it grew and it grew till like the seventh person I didn't know who was a friend of a friend was like, you know, you should film this. And that's sort of when I connected the dots. I'm like, I'm studying music, which is performance. I'm studying the production of it, which is all the tech gear behind it. And what if I like swap the guitar and the microphone for a knife and a pan? I know how to video edit That's going to give me a head start right away. So that's kind of how it started. And then I had to learn how to actually cook. And (laughs) that's something that never ends. But I think I faked it pretty well for the first five years. The last five, I I really do know what I'm doing. I really do. I'm confident in it. But there's so much more to learn always. I was going to say, it's got to be a fun journey, though, too. Oh, super fun. I think one of my favorite things was the first seven years of pain I put into it. Mm. Literally doing every single thing and, and making... Negative money, if you will. I had a local show on New York City TV, and they gave uh, us—well, they gave me money to do it, but they'd have the taxes withheld from it. They wouldn't pay it to an LLC. They'd give 20% to a payroll company, so you know the check ended up being half as much. And then I'd have to ask for refund at the end of the year because it was all towards, you know. Then I got audited, and the government's like, "You're not making enough." I'm like, "You're paying me not enough money, and now you're gonna audit me for that." Um, <laughs> but when I got to Tastemade, when they came along and found me, I was able to take all these hats off the, the the lighting guy hat and hand it to someone, the, the video editing hat and hand it to someone, the producer hat. And so I'm able to communicate with everyone at a, at a good level. Cause I did all those jobs at, at some level that's been rewarding. I think that's
0: fantastic. It, but it also sounds like you probably wouldn't encourage other people
5: to go swim that moat that you swam to get where you are today. Well, anything worth doing is going to take A long time. And all the people whom I admire took between eight and 12 years to make it happen. Yeah. I mean, that's really how it is. Yeah. Two more questions before we get to
0: Labor Day, which we we really need some help with Labor Day. I think most, you've been doing enough Labor Day cookouts that just absolutely suck. So you're going to save all of us, man. But before that, how do you get an invitation
5: to cook for tennis stars? I want to hear this story. (laughs) My dad's a dentist and one of his patients is this, this guy who's just really connected in the tennis world. And about four years ago, I, I started cooking for him. Actually, I saw him this morning. I was, I was dropping something off at his house. And and that's how. I was working the line at a restaurant downtown. I was making 10 bucks an hour. That was when I got the first phone call from this guy. I like, kind of ducked down at my station. And he's like, hey, you think you can uh, fill in for Peter and cook for Novak Djokovic for three days? I was like, I, I will give it a try. This year, I'm doing the full three weeks, the the week leading up to the U.S. Open. And then if he makes it to the final, the full two weeks after that, he's actually the easy part. It's the 10 people on his team that are the hard part because everybody wants to eat at a different time. And it's, yeah, it's going to be 63 meals and I'm going to be pulling 19 hour days. Uh, I look forward to it though. It's going to be great. Yeah, that's awesome. And then tell me about the White House invitation. That was also while I was making $10 an hour working the line at a restaurant in New York. I was going to work, and I got a call from Tastemade, and they're like, hey, Michelle Obama has it picked you. It's Rachel Ray to reach the moms, and it's you to reach the kids to spread the word of healthy eating. And I'm like, they're like, but there's a catch. You know, you got to you gotta work with us for a year. I'm like, that's not a catch. That's like the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> or, oh, Get that, me out of this $10
0: yeah, an hour job. Yeah, I don't know if I can do that. Hold on. Okay. <laughs>
5: That was surreal. I wish I could do it again, but I'll just never forget. We were taking a picture. There were like 100 cameras in front of us. I hadn't physically touched her yet. She'd called me out on the microphone. There's a row of kids sitting, a row of kids kneeling, a row of kids standing. And then Michelle Obama, me, and Rachel Ray, I'm probably eight feet from her. We're we're facing the 100 cameras, and then I just feel a tug on my arm. And she has crouched down behind the kids to block all the cameras so that we could have like a personal hello Thank you for coming. And so I, I kind of like got down behind her and now the kids are blocking the cameras and I was just like, holy smokes. She found like a moment of privacy. I'm sure she does this for everyone in total chaos and I just thought it was the classiest thing ever. I'll just, I'll never forget that. Not her first rodeo either, too. I mean, if she knows exactly where the camera
0: is, what she's got to do to block it so they have that moment of privacy, <laughs> I mean, she's practiced that a few times, I would it think. It was special. It was definitely special. Well, let's make today special for everybody hanging out. We've, we've got the gentleman who can do what we all like here, frugal food, but we want, we want our Labor Day weekend cookout to be great, Frankie. Where does that
5: start? It starts by tuning into the radio station WORK. <laughs> There's just no way around it. you got to put in the work. We don't want that. What are you talking about? No, you got to do it. Um, so the number one thing is going to be that it's Labor Day. There is a set menu that grocery stores want you to stick to, that society is telling us to have. And everyone that sells that stuff is going to do everything they can to prep it as much as they can for you. Don't fall into the trap. Tune into the radio station WORK prep it yourself. Again, we're talking about labor hours and real estate hours. Do not buy the pre-chopped onions. Don't do it. I wouldn't even get the the pre-ground meat. That's like buying a mutual fund with fees. You know, Pick the cuts that you want, grind them up yourself. It doesn't matter if it's a tough cut or not. You're really just looking for somewhere between 70% lean and 80% lean. Go for like a 10 to 20% fat ratio, it doesn't matter what stocks you throw in there, just as long as you've got that ratio, and you'll save some money right there. The biggest thing is that the UN says Americans are throwing out 40% of all groceries. So if you can be hyper-efficient with everything you buy and make sure you use it all, it doesn't have to all be on Labor Day, but the days following up, if it's not useless stuff and you can eat it all, you you could theoretically spend 40% less money. Wow. So if you made like a really great sauce or a salsa verde or even you made your own ketchup, that's something you can use the week after Labor Day. Use it all up. But if you've bought one that someone else made for you, maybe it's not pasteurized so it's only going to last a week. You've got less invested in that emotionally, more financially, and you might just say at the end of the week, eh, that's it and throw it out. So now you paid double for it. You used half, and it's literally four times the money of making it yourself. You have the day off. I know you do. It's a national holiday. So put in the work. You got to come up with a plan. I would make some fresh sauces. That's what makes it happen right there. Acid, salt, sauces, put that on everything. Do you like sauces mixed in
0: with the meat on your burgers? Or are you Mr. Nope, do none of that. Put sauces
5: on top of it later. Right when I graduated high school, I got my first cookbook, which is the gourmet burger cookbook. So That was the thing. I was just making burgers all the time, and I put eggs in it, and I put breadcrumbs in it, and I put onions in it, and I put all these things in it, and now I'm a fan of putting nothing in it and just having delicious toppings. I want a bloody, loosely ground beef patty, and I want a couturement sitting on top of it, not inside.
0: Let's start off with the beef then. You say ground your own first. I love that idea, by the way. Because I think it also tastes better. I don't know why. Maybe it's because 100%. I. Is it because I ground it
5: myself or is it because it's freshly ground? I don't know. You would know. It's because you ground it yourself. One, it's freshly ground. Two, but three, especially on Labor Day, they know burgers are on the menu. Yeah. They're throwing all the off cuts, all the old stuff, they're throwing it all in there. And then on top of that, you're losing texture. You're getting something called schmear the machine can only run so long before it starts heating up and then the fat begins to melt in the machine and you don't get these gorgeous pockets of fat you get smeared fat kind of like if you think of a hot dog how it's perfectly emulsified in there that's what starts happening with burger meat so i know what you're saying you and know, frankie i would happily grind my own meat but i don't have a grinder and i don't want to spend it guess what that was my next question the, the butcher's got one ah. and it isn't hot right now because they pre-ground all the meat for the lazy people it's ice cold And you can say to him, give me some of that chuck, give me the Denver steak, maybe some sirloin. That's it. And they'll do it right there. And they do that for free. They definitely do it for free. Maybe they'll do it for you right there. If they haven't, you start building a relationship with them next year. They'll definitely do it. Just like you guys were talking about these sales that come around. If you miss it this year, definitely next year. Yeah. You can build a relationship with them. They'll do it. But more often than not, an employee like that is happy to do something outside of the norm because- their job becomes so robotic. Yeah. What would you like? Thank you. Put it on the scale, wrap it up, put the thing, you know, and the barcode on top. Oh, you want me to grind it? Ooh, I get to go into like the back room for a second? Sweet. The number of people that don't know how to operate a grill and how to grill a burger is mm. amazing.
0: I mean, I was one of those people. I I had no idea. And then I read a cookbook. No, wait, I even take that back. In our early days, we had, we had a gentleman on who talked about grilling. I'm like, oh my God, I've been grilling completely wrong. What are some keys to grill in that burger. That's going to make it taste better.
5: Oh man. There's so many things that contradict each other. I'm sure you've heard of the flip once method and the flip often method. Those are, <laughs> those are two things right My there.
0: brother-in-law and I fight over those two, by the so way. So which one are you a fan? Specifically, of? I'm a flip once guy.
5: You're a flip once guy. Am I okay, wrong? So I mean, there is no wrong. It's like, people are like, what's your favorite? I'm like, there is no favorite. There's <laughs> only top class. All right. You know, and there's, there's many in that category. So if you flip once on a grill, you're going to get extra char. You're going to get the Maillard reaction. Uh, you're going to get more browning and burnt stuff, and that flavor is fantastic. You're going to have a little bit less juiciness just because of gravity. If you keep flipping, you think about the juices on the inside. They start falling towards the bottom, and then you flip it, and now they've, they're they back on top again, and they start falling again. Then you flip it, and now they're back on top again. It's sort of like why a JG Melon or Shake Shack burger is so good. That's not a grill. It's a flat top. Mm. So when the fat hits the bottom, it doesn't fall away into the grill. It actually gets forced back up through steam pressure. This is why these are juicy burgers. So it doesn't really matter which method you pick. Consistency is really what you want to go for. And no home grill that I know of is consistent. I was just in someone's backyard the other day and they had 20 people <laughs> and the wife was 8 months pregnant and she's like Frankie I, all these things are marinated but can you do it and like i went and did it and i could not believe the discrepancy of heat in that thing and and i had to just keep touching them and trying to use the you know the palm method here of i don't know guide. no okay so if you it's just a guide and this really only works for stuff that's between an inch and 2 inches thick but if you put your first finger and your thumb together like you're making an okay sign And then with your other hand, sort of squeeze the the thumb muscle there, the palm of your thumb muscle. It's kind of loose. And as you go through the fingers, ending on the pinky, you'll see it gets tighter. It's a rough guide of doneness. So if you're feeling something tight, like the pinky, you've probably overcooked it. You should definitely take it off. If you're feeling something loose, not so much. And it's going to be like walking on Bluestone at someone's pool. Your feet are going to burn. Yeah. In this case, it's your digits. Sure. But you're just going to have to do it because you can't be sticking everything with a thermometer and having juice squirting out every three minutes. Can't do that. I'm not answering your question, but there's – it's uh, – But to be you focused. are. Yeah. You need to turn your phone off. You cannot text and cook. <laughs> <laughs> what's,
0: what's the – uh? you know, grills are all over the place. My grill from the left to the right, front to the back. <laughs> all over the place, to your point, about how hot should that thing be? I think you should go full blast all the time. Yeah. That's my
5: fan. My, all right. my
0: Yeah. And then you mentioned sauces earlier. Do you have a favorite sauce that we can uh, put on top of our burger that might uh,
5: make things delightful on Labor Day? On a burger? I mean, look, I'm doing stuff that's so... Here's a cheap sauce that's delicious. It's called Romesco. What you do is you take some red bell peppers... And you, you burn them on the grill. You try to peel some skin off. Stick it in your blender. Better yet, well, I'm going to be contradicting myself here, but if you go to the salad bar at the grocery store and they already have these peppers uh, cooked for you, take those. It's great. And they're sitting in vinegar. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you put this, you put these roasted red peppers in the blender. You find a piece of toast or a little bit of stale bread. You throw that in the blender, You find some garlic. You can either have it roasted or sauteed or raw. I would use less if it's raw because it's, You know, pretty intense. I would use more if it's sautéed or confit or something like that. If it's garlic powder, I would not put it at all. I'm just not a fan of that stuff. If it needs to last two years, you don't deserve to use that ingredient, in my opinion. And what a waste of money, because I go in everyone's cabinets, all these spices are full. You're not using them. You're like, yeah, but I have it for when I, but you're never going to use it. Like don't buy it in the first place. And they're all three and a half years old. They're all three and a half years old. And like Mark Bittman said two decades ago, like you should be replacing them every six months. So I think you should throw them all out. Start growing your own stuff. Okay, so we got the roasted peppers. We got a little bit of bread. We got some garlic. You're going to put a ton of red wine vinegar in there, like really a lot, and a good amount of salt. Depends what brand of salt you use because each of them have different densities. I'm a Diamond Crystal fan. It's probably the least salty salt because of the shapes. There's a lot of air pockets between them. So put that in. uh, Blend it up. Maybe a little bit of olive oil. Give it a taste. How does it feel? If it's too salty, you can add more acid. If it's not salty enough, put more salt. But the wonderful play here is that when something's too salty and you add more acid, it actually mellows out the salt. And at the same time, by having acid, you can put more salt. So playing with these two things, you get something that is so tangy and wonderful. It's like a flavor bomb on anything you put on it. So you can have your burger. You bite into the burger. You've cooked it perfectly. You've used used the flip once method that you love, okay? It's juicy, and you've got these little pockets of perfectly marbleized fat on the inside because we ground the beef ourselves from a machine that wasn't overheating and therefore it didn't schmear, okay? So you've got that great texture, and now you've got acid and salt hitting you. Oh, potato bun. I mean, that's what relish is, right? Isn't it sweet and like acidic at the same time ketchup is even that that's true let's let's go eat right now i just want to eat right now i wish you were opinionated how come you how come you don't have an opinion about any of this stuff uh, i wish you saw what i ate right before i <laughs> came downstairs all I'm your mom f- had was granola <laughs> that is mom right there
0: mom I is like Ma we were Doing that joke last week. The uh, I know. I wanted to ask you about
5: struggle meals and and what's coming up next because I know you're not standing still. It's let me tell you again, ten years to get to this point. Struggle meals is already two years old, which makes it a pretty long running show in the food world. But when we started it, it was just a web show. Started on Snapchat, and then Facebook opened Facebook Watch, and we started with three minute videos, and then they grew to fifteen minutes. Now Tastemade has launched a television channel and it keeps ending up in more and more providers. This is so exciting. So on the last shoot, we shot it for 22 minutes, which is a half hour show with commercials. Sure. And we cut it down shorter for the web now, whereas before we were stretching something that we shot for web into a television show. That was the seventh time we'd shot the show. We kind of called this one Struggle Meals 2.0. So I sat down with the producers at Tastemade and we said, listen, we're going to make this longer. The show can be, especially if you watch the first season, it's, it's very high energy. And that's great. And when we went into it, we thought, this is going to be for college kids. And it turns out single moms and truck drivers and broken families are super into the show. And it's really, really helpful. So we have this social responsibility to help them out. And that's great. There's a cause. It's fantastic. How do we know this? Because we're past the age of Nielsen data from a cable box. That gives you some kind of demographic of 1 in 2,000 people. We have people on these social media groups literally saying what works for them, what doesn't work for them. Literally saying, here's what I bought. What can I do, Frankie? Oh, that's what you can do for Labor Day. You could buy a $2 per pound pork loin, not tenderloin you can get one for like 20 bucks it'll be 10 pounds. Go watch the Struggle Meals episode. I show you how to cut that up into literally 21 different meals. Oh, wow. you get the fatty end. Yeah, you got the fatty end, you could turn those into schnitzels. You got the skinny end, you got these little cutlets. You got all this stew meat in the middle. But I would never think to do that. But the viewers of the show said, "Hey, can you help us with this?" So we've got this social aspect sort of directing us of where to take the show. The people are telling us and we can respond in real time. So now here we are. We've got this half-hour version. We have more responsibility than we thought. It's not just 20-year-old kids with student loan watching the show. It, it, there's more to it than that. So not only are we saving money, but I'm also throwing out the stats. Like the average American spending $2,400 a year on food and 40% of that going in the garbage. That's a 1000 bucks, man. Imagine if that was in a Roth IRA. That'd be awesome. Seriously. No, because now you got some compound sure. interest happening. It's like really smart stuff. So – I haven't gone too deep into the finance stuff, but I do have some piggy banks, and the eagle-eyed viewer will see that some of them say like Roth IRA, <laughs> some of them say brokerage. You know, I talk about six percent uh, per year, and but longtime index funds. listeners to this show know that food
0: costs are
5: the third
0: biggest driver of expenses. Right, where you live is number one, your automotive costs number two, food costs number three, and you and I both know. And the reason I love having you here today is because when when people think lower food costs. They Mm. think, let's make dinner bland. And you are exactly the opposite. Dinner's way more fun and it's less expensive, which means the Roth IRA is funded and my food costs drop through the floor and people giggle when they eat my food. It's fantastic. It's a better way to live.
5: If I could just add the final thing to that, which is the main thing of this show, it was trying to get everyone watching it away from the idea that you've got to follow the recipe to the T. Oh. So we're sort of grouping ingredients in flavors and and allowing all these things to be swap outable because not everybody has everything. Use what you've got. So that Romesco I was telling you about, yeah. you don't have red wine vinegar, you've got some other acid. It's lemons, it's limes, maybe it's white wine vinegar that you used to clean the countertop. Use all three. It'll work. Well, and your idea earlier to a tasting, when I was younger, I I was afraid to taste the stuff ahead of
0: time. Man, mm-hmm. take play, play. You you're so damn playful. Like you're you are Mister Play with it. You know, you got to. Got to. It's the only way, man. You Fra- got
5: to fall if you're going to run. Frankie, it's thanks like, so much.
0: <laughs> it's, it's it's now yours. You now own that line. Uh, Frankie, thanks a ton for hanging out with us. And by the way, we're going to link to everything Struggle Meals on our show notes page at
5: StackyBenjamins.com. Man, thanks for saving Labor Day. I really appreciate it. All right. Don't burn yourself, guys. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun, really.
2: Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And if you haven't been keeping up, it's National Hot Dog Day. Wait a minute. National Hot Dog Day? That's not right it's it's national dog day richie how can i work with this you you got hot dog trivia here and it's national dog day man well look as a professional i'm gonna roll with it it's what i do here's a question speaking of adorable animals with hot dogs as a 15 billion dollar industry what are the four most common adorable animals found in a hot dog are you kidding me my god that's the trivia today all right. Hey, you know what? Let's roll with it. I'll have your answer right after this.
0: Today's show is brought to you also by Acre Trader. I'm a big fan of Acre Trader because of the fact that I worked in fields growing up. I'm a country boy from West Michigan, and I get how this works. Now, the thing I know that it isn't, and I know that you don't want to do unless you understand exactly how it works, is be a farmer acre trader while it has a lot to do with farming you're just a landlord you're not the farmer so whether the farmer has a great crop or a bad crop means nothing to you as long as the farmer's able to continue to pay the rent because you're the farmer's landlord now you look at an individual field and you say to yourself i can't afford to buy a field that's where acre trader comes in first they subdivide that field into smaller pieces then you end up with a much more manageable amount of money to invest in the field. Then you actually own, you own a piece of that field. You don't own a piece of acre trader who owns that field. You own a piece of that field. Then every time that the farmer pays rent, you then get a check from acre trader, which is your portion of that rent. By the way, acre trader takes care of everything. They take care of dealing with the farmer. They take care of making sure that the soil is sustainable, all of that. Let's talk about farmland as an investment. Historically, a lot less gyration in real estate prices with farmland than there is in either commercial or residential real estate. And frankly, because there's less farmland available every minute, the value of that farmland consistently historically has continued to rise. Now, does it mean it's always going to rise? Of course not. We don't know that. but we do know is that this is an investment with a history of being boring in an incredibly good way and produces a yield that makes you excited about it. This is for accredited investors only, and that's a different podcast. You want to go look up what an accredited investor is. But if you are, you also want to make sure that you have funds available elsewhere because you actually own a piece of the field. And when do you get your money back plus the appreciation when Acre Trader sells that field on your behalf? So go to Acre Trader, check out the explainer video, use our link to tell them that we sent you acretrader.com forward slash SB for more. That's acretrader.com forward slash SB.
2: Welcome back, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor Duggan. I'm coming at you live. While I enjoy the first Frank off the grill, put a little mayo on the sides, you know, top it with uh, maybe some mustard and some relish, and you got yourself a party and a bun. That's what you got. But before I chow down on this deliciousness, I owe you a little bit of trivia. Here's the question one more time, which Richie totally screwed up. But, you know, we're going to run with it. It's what we do. We're, we're professionals. So, Uh, He said uh, he thought it was, you know, National Hot Dog Day and not National Dog Day, which led to this errant question with hot dogs being a 15 billion dollar industry in the USA. What are the four most common animals found in a hot dog? I swear to God, this question drives me crazy. Anyway, we got to go through with it, right? Uh, I hope everybody ate before listening to this too late well here's the answer if you said turkey chicken pork and beef you'd be right (laughs) it doesn't sound so bad though you know we eat turkey and we eat chicken and pork and beef and all of that but they are adorable aren't they (laughs) just don't you know let's just not talk about what parts of the animal the meat comes from and it'll all be good we'll all be good we just we just want to focus on the tasty juicy parts just yeah i'll let you get back to your lunch see ya
0: Maybe slightly, slightly gross trivia. That that kind of takes the fun out of Labor Day when he starts talking about the animals. Why is that? We know it's turkey, mm. chicken, pork, and
3: beef. We know that. And I, I thought I it was it. penguin and uh, pigeon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe not.
0: Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline OG and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency—they put what you value first. Gourmet hot dogs and relish
3: relish. Come on now.
0: No. Oh, oh God, you, that's so nasty. Can have put a pickle relish. on a hot
3: dog, but not relish.
0: Why would you put pickle on your hot dog? On your hot dog? Like eat yeah. it alongside the hot dog? Like you got the bun, yeah. you got a pickle inside alongside the dog?
3: Yeah, dude. D- who does that? I bet you most people actually. The most people don't do that. All right. It's another food challenge. You sat next
0: to me while I put the egg on the hamburger and that was not life-changing, by the way. It was nothing life changing.
3: It was pretty good.
0: Of course, that burger had a bunch of other crap on it, too. Yeah. It might not have been the right burger to have the egg on. It was good, though, wasn't it? It was about the same. All right. It didn't add anything. And okay. it I don't know if it cost extra. We burned through money for nothing, probably.
3: <laughs> it was an experiment. I, Next time you get to a hot dog place, put a pickle on there. I'm so not putting a pickle on. Th- no. What do you think relish is? No. Well, <laughs> good
0: point. However, I like sweet relish, sweet pickle, oh, sweet oh pickles. God.
3: God, makes no? my stomach churn just thinking about God, it. Those are the pickles do? you bite into. And then you like literally let it fall back out of your mouth. No, because, because you're like, you, you know, you got a little, the side pickle and with your sandwich and you take a bite, you're like, Oh, I really need a pick. And you take a bite, you go, uh, and it just like comes back out because you can't even, can't even think to chew it one little bite after it hits your tongue. Cause sweet pickles are so nasty.
0: Oh going on and on about a side pickle again. Just, you gotta, you gotta come back, man. The reason they have sweet relish at the grocery store is because people love it. It's phenomenal. Uh, I've noticed nobody buys it. We should probably get back to this. Uh It's actually your loved ones in your time. It says here on my script about Haven Life. It's why they made buying quality term life insurance. actually simple, OG. Head to com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. Of course, people buy it. If people didn't buy it, stores wouldn't stock it. Haven Life uh, has affordable prices. Application is simple and online. They don't even ask you if you eat hot dogs disgusting ways like OG does. Just much more straightforward than that. They stick with the important stuff. Uh, Today, we're throwing out the lifeline to Susan. Say hi, Susan.
4: Hi, Joe and OG. This is Susan. I've got a question for you regarding my mother. She's 80 years old and receives approximately $30,000 per year in Social Security and an annuity payment from my deceased father. She needs an extra $1,800 a month to meet the expenses of her assisted living facility. She has a $385,000 nest egg, of which 50 grand is in a Roth IRA, 20 is in a high yield savings account, and 315 is in a taxable brokerage. Her allocation is 50% in total stock index, 45% total bond index, and 5% in cash, which we rebalance once a year. My questions are, which fund should I be holding in the Roth account? Should it be the total stock index or the total bond, or both, or does it even matter? Thanks. Oh, well.
0: Wow, she's got so much going on here, and I saw 50 questions coming. That was not the question I saw coming. But I definitely have a have a answer for that one, Susan. Uh, but what do you think, oh gee, this is a tough situation.
3: I think that the you know on the Roth component, almost straight up the tax-free nature of that and how you never pay taxes on it again for any generation ever, I would prefer to have the more aggressive position in the Roth. So between those two things, am I going to have fixed income or am I going to have a equity position? I'd have the equity position. If, you know, I've got two equity positions, a large company stock fund and a small company stock fund, I'd rather have the small company stock fund.
0: This is morbid, but I think at, at this point, we're also looking at if any money transfers to heirs, what transfers the easiest, which is why I totally agree With your position, OG, because if any money passes on to heirs, let's make it tax free money.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's certainly a side benefit for sure. I'm just thinking about the fact that, you know, from a volatility or tax standpoint, just now, right? But that's my point because that's my
0: point because the Roth IRA should also be, if she's thinking about which spigot to turn on, that Roth IRA spigot, if at all possible, is the one I want to use last. Yep. Great question. Obviously, you're looking at tax issues today and tax issues tomorrow. She already, I'm sure, has a distribution plan. But where you take assets from, I think pretty important, especially when you're dealing with uh, long-term care stay.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really does matter because assisted living can mean a lot of different things, too. It doesn't, you know, sometimes we think assisted living. My grandmother was in assisted care, but it was a kind of progressive thing, right? For 15 years, they were in the same building. And as their health, you know, my grandparents' health deteriorated, you know, they needed more and more care. And I know that the cost went up quite appreciably during that time up to the point, you know, where she was, you know, receiving, you know, full-on, full-time care. So, uh, so you have to kind of think about that and plan for that as well.
0: Great question, Susan. If you've got a question for the show, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And we're happy to uh, help you come up with some strategies to help you handle things for you and your loved ones. Like Susan is here. All right. That's going to do it for today. Big thanks to everybody. Who's left us a review of this show. Mom always is uh, I love how she stands right beside the refrigerator whenever the bridge club comes and just kind of look at this
3: stretching like, Hey, so, uh, Need Anything from the fridge area over (laughs) here? Like maybe in this general area, and, uh, this one, five
0: stars comes from a uh, says engineered for superior results. This artisanal podcast nice, has been painstakingly crafted by a jet setting ball guy. Would that be you? That's you. That's you.
3: Dude, we've been down this path many times.
0: A barely appropriate neighbor and a man with a bag over said, oh, that's me. To not teach you anything while simultaneously spurring you on to learn about things you've never heard of before. So come over to mom's basement, enjoy some of her homemade lasagna. You almost don't notice the smell after a while. Last time I saw Joe's mom, I told her it looked like she drew her eyebrows too high. She seemed surprised. (laughs) (laughs) And you... Will be, too, when you realize that this is actually a pretty okay show. Great one. Mom is uh, very impressed and, yes, very surprised that people would leave a review that nice to us. So thank you very much. Also, last thing here, if you're looking for good financial planning help in your corner, OG and his team are taking clients. So the doors are open. Head to com forward slash OG, and that will lead you to his team's calendar, and uh, they will take it from there. All right, that's going to do it. Doug, you've got it from here.
2: Here's the handoff. What should we have learned today? So what did we learn today? First, take some advice from Frankie Chalenza. Stop wasting food and start eating at home. Grow an herb garden, which is easy to do whether you live in a tiny apartment or a huge home. Maybe ask your butcher to grind your Labor Day meats on the spot and serve your hamburgers this week. Just perfect for a great non-waste Labor Day. Second, wondering how you'll get through retirement with your money? Worry the most about those early years. Those years could make or break your portfolio. But the big takeaway? Don't search up the origins of hot dog meats, no matter how curious you get. I mean, it is never worth it. Trust me. No, Richie. I don't want to see that picture again. Richie, stop. Thanks to Frankie Chilenza for stopping by. You'll find his show, Struggle Meals, on the Tastemade Network. Look it up online. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter reese and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here.
0: Welcome to the after show. This is a part of the show that uh, doesn't exist for those of you new to stacking Benjamins. What happens here stays in the after show, and especially today because I have on my list as we kick off Labor Day week, the hot dog consumption in this country, as you know, goes through the roof. Out of control, goes through the roof. So we got to talk about some
3: all those wiener dogs getting chopped up in little bits.
0: Yeah, weirdness. Why do I cross my legs when that happens? When you say that,
3: they (laughs) what's that? (laughs) Isn't that where hot dogs come from? Those little inner <laughs> dogs?
0: Oh, dogs? Yes, probably not. No, they come from chicken, pork, beef, and uh, turkey, mm-hmm. according to Doug. So
3: It's not, not meat, but okay.
0: But I do want to ask about some weirdness on hot dogs, because when we were in Seattle at the uh, Mariners game, the Mariners had this weird thing where you can take your hot dog into the stadium, like at, at Detroit Tiger games. They have this deal where you can take peanuts in from outside vendors because of the way they've done it that way for a long time. At Seattle games, you can bring in a hot dog from the outside. And everybody told us ahead of time, the hot dog vendors outside the stadium, way better than the hot dogs inside the stadium. Hmm. So we stop and we get a Seattle dog. And the Seattle dog has mayonnaise on it, has all this stuff. It was actually really, really good. I was surprised by how good it was. And I was wondering, besides the pickle thing, that grossness that you put on a hot dog, weird stuff you like. Do you like like hot dogs
3: of bacon? No. I don't like hot dogs, period. So. Oh, you don't? No.
0: I, I took hot dogs. I mean, I'll
3: have one. Like, I'll have one. Like in celebration but I, but of the holiday. Yeah. Not in celebration of anything. Like, I am on a desert island and the only thing to eat is a hot dog. Okay, fine.
0: You're at a Labor Day party. And the only thing needs hot dog is what you're saying.
3: I'll just drink more beer. Yeah, perfect.
0: That's right. <laughs> you got hops and barley. You're good. Yeah. But that thing about slitting so here's what here's what happened at a party I was at this summer. The host like slit the hot dogs almost in half, like halfway down, and then put them on the grill both sides. So it was kind of grilled inside and it gave it a little more texture. Hmm. That was pretty cool. All
3: right.
0: It was pretty I good. Could-
3: I might give that a whirl. That sounds like something I would
0: try. The other thing that my parents brought me up doing that I don't see at a lot of these, uh, these soirees is that they take a pack of buns and as hot dogs come off the grill, they take the hot dog and they put it back in the plastic bag. And then as all eight hot dogs go back in the bag, they tie up the end of it and the hot dogs then, the heat on the hot dogs steams all the buns. And you get this really nice steamed bun with your hot dog. Delicious. Hmm.
3: I grill hot dog buns. Yeah, d- well, see, and that's
0: another way. Instead of going with the really soft Or like steam hamburger ones. buns.
3: Like I'll do that too. Yeah. Like you just kind of take your like, I Again, mean, you're putting the cheese on the burgers the last little bit. And then you throw the buns on. By the time the cheese melts, the buns are toasted. Pew, off you go.
0: I've seen that on hot do- or on hamburgers several times. Hadn't seen it much on hot dogs. But I, but I would agree with hot dogs. It's got to be good. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd still be fantastic. I actually had at the podcast movement conference a couple of weeks ago, I had for the first time an impossible burger. Oh boy. Have you had one of these things? What do you think? Everybody says it tastes just like a burger. It tastes just like a burger. It's a little bit more loose than a burger. It was a little more crumbly, but, but not by a lot. It tasted, it tasted really good. Everybody has told me okay. that the
3: impossible burger tastes. Did you have one? We've already, we've established the answer is no. How do we? When did we establish that? Well, you said, D- "Have you had one?" And I said, "What do you think?" I didn't know. Knowing what you know about me, you got to try. What?
0: Okay. What's funny is you say you won't eat fast food. I really don't. You don't eat
3: hot dogs. Not particularly.
0: However, red meat,
3: yes. <laughs> yeah, and potatoes and green beans. I'm a real easy to get along with fella. Like I just. I don't want for much. Is, is, just, as uh, long as you
0: don't take me to McDonald's, Taco Bell, uh, put Impossible Burger anywhere near me. Uh,
3: just a medium filet with a baked potato and a handful of green beans. A little salad would be okay, too. But none of Doug's boxed wine. Good God. Come on, man. <laughs> boxed wine.
0: What are the top four animals that are inside of a hot dog?
3: Pigeon. Cat, dog, penguin.
0: Uh, Those might not be the answer. Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, OG who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly Navy federal offers member only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit Navy org slash celebrate. And you'll see all their military appreciation month offers and other Navy federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site. Like Best cities after service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.